You know, just about every person I know who fishes has a fish story or a fish tale. Our text today comes from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, and in it Luke tells us Peter's fish tale. But before we get to that tale, I want to tell you mine. My first fishing trip in Miami occurred when we were still living in Argentina. The Hialeah Church was one of our sponsors and supporters and partners in the work. And so every couple of years we would come up and visit. And on one of those visits, I got the privilege of going out on the open seas with Red and uh, Red Rushing and his son, Dirk. Um, I, I had only fished a couple times in my life. I really didn't know much about it. I'm kind of a city boy. Uh, a bit squeamish with blood and guts and those kinds of things. But uh, but I thought, you know, this will be cool. One time, uh, kind of an experience, once in a life kind of experience. Well, I got sick as a dog. I was heaving and leaning over the edge and it was just terrible. They were trying to give me all these things that look at the horizon and, and don't look down and uh, n- n- nothing was working. I-, I needed help getting the bait. It was, you know, just squirmy little, just all that stuff. And, and, and I had literally no idea what I was doing, where to throw, how to throw the line. Just all the, I had a little Zebco when I was a kid. You just push a button, toss it and let go. And that was the only, I never even took it out except for once or twice. Well, thanks to their expertise, <laughs> uh, thanks to their expertise, I was able to catch a, a, a dolphin. Uh, for those of you not in Miami, that's not flipper. Uh, that's this is a dolphin fish. Uh, you eat it as mahi mahi, but it's that's that's what we're talking about here. I also caught a barracuda, which was kind of cool because uh, uh, of the song by the the the, the, the rock duo Heart. Um, but it was an amazing day, and it stuck me to this uh, uh, to this day after 30 plus years. Now, how do you think Red and Dirk? You some of you know Red, all of you know Dirk. How do you think they would have responded if this? Preacher city kid or grown up in the city kid comes into their boat and starts telling them what to do and how to catch fish, where to go and, and, and just all of the instructions on what they could do. C- can you imagine the audacity of someone who has no experience showing up at your work and telling you how to do your job? Now, As complicated as a fast food restaurant might be, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about jobs that require years of preparation and training and education. Jobs like uh, uh, being a nurse, a teacher, a lawyer, a plumber. Uh, Peter was an experienced fisherman. He had grown up probably on the water. He had years of sun in his face and the wrinkles to prove it. And Jesus is going to turn that all upside down. Let's read Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out from the water So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Now, in Luke's gospel, by the time we get to chapter five, Jesus was not a stranger to Peter or many of the people in that area. Uh, Since we talked last week in Luke chapter four, when Jesus preached his sermon in Nazareth, um, he has continued preaching. He's cast out demons. He's healed people, including Peter's 
mother-in-law. So Peter knew who Jesus was and knew something of his power. I want you to notice where this encounter took place. It wasn't in the synagogue. It wasn't in some designated sacred or holy place. Jesus didn't come while Peter was praying and in uh, um, sincere, devout meditation. Jesus didn't come when they were looking for him. He shows up at the end of a long, sweaty, unsuccessful night of work. They weren't doing anything grand. They weren't doing anything holy. They were just washing nets. You know, and I think Jesus comes to us every day in similar ways. Sometimes he comes to us when we're searching for him, but many times he comes to us when we least expect it. In John Lennon's song, Beautiful Boy, which he wrote for his son, Sean, we find this gem. Life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. Peter was going about his daily activities and Jesus showed up to involve himself in his work and in his life. So as you go to work, school, or you continue with your retired life tomorrow, be on the lookout for Jesus. Scripture teaches us he's more likely to show up tomorrow than he is today. Verses 4 through 7. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now, go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Uh, Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And this time... Their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in other boats, in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. After Jesus finishes his teaching, he tells Peter where to go to find more fish. Imagine, itinerant preacher, rabbi, with a woodworking background telling a seasoned fisherman how to do how to do his job. You, you can imagine Peter's body language. I got to put up with this guy. Maybe there was an eye roll. Each time that Peter had to pull on those oars as he was going out to the deep water, muttering under his breath, who does this guy think he is? I mean, does he know anything about this? Peter was exhausted and frustrated, and we can almost hear it in his voice. His failure was not just about a bruised ego or, or, or the loss of bragging rights. He needed these fish to survive, to live. He was the head of the household, and he was letting his family down. In spite of that, he obeyed Jesus. It didn't make sense we don't know to what extent he was really he had bought into this decision or this instruction that Jesus had given. But he obeys. He calls him master. It's a work that it's a word that only Luke uses, uses it seven times. And it means uh, uh, a teacher, commander or boss. There was something 
that Peter saw. And it's a good thing he did, right? It's a good thing that he obeyed the catch of a lifetime. If they would have had cameras, he would have been there with his brothers showing all the fish that they had caught. The Greek text here says that they caught a multitude of fish. Interesting word. We'll come back to it in just a second. What, what was the difference between their work the night previous, the night prior, and, and, and what Jesus was able, or what Peter was able to do? Only difference was Jesus. The second time, Jesus was in the boat. Once Jesus is in the boat, something happens that would not have happened had Peter not let Jesus in the boat. Jesus is willing to come into my life, into your life, whatever day it is, but he's willing to come in and something will happen. If I let him, something will happen that would not have happened otherwise. Jesus has the power to change our destiny, our future, as well as our present. In the middle of scarcity, Jesus brings abundance. In the middle of failure, Jesus brings success and prosperity. In the middle of less, Jesus brings more. And for many of us, that's our goal in life. That's our calling. That's our vocation to make more. <laughs> we want prosperity. We want success. And once we have achieved it or once we have experienced it, we want it to continue. For a fisherman, a catch so big that it wouldn't fit into the boat would have been a dream come true. But every now and then, at some point in our life, we reach what we've been shooting for, we reach, reach what we've been fighting for, and we realize that it just doesn't measure up. You can win the lotto, the big one, the billion dollar one, and there will come a time when it doesn't mean that much. What Jesus wants to do is to give Peter a different calling, a different vocation, and it starts with a small obedience in the direction towards Jesus. That small obedience, yes, Master, I will go where you say, leads to our third point in reading. Verse 8 and following. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Peter felt like an utter failure. It reminds me of the story I read uh, uh, about Mickey Mantle, the Yankee uh, slugger uh, back in the 50s. On one particular occasion, he had struck out three times in a row. Every at-bat, he struck out. And he was feeling really bummed out. He, he writes, he, I got back to the clubhouse. I just sat down on the stool and held my ha head in my hands like I was going to cry. I, I heard someone come up to me, and it was little Tommy Barra, Yogi's son, standing there next to me. He, he tapped me on the knee nice and soft, and 
I figured he was going to say something nice to me like, you keep hanging in there or something like that. But all he did was look at me and then he said in his little kid's voice, you stink. <laughs> well, that's probably how Peter felt. I stink at being a fisherman. I stink at this. And I definitely do not deserve to be in the presence of someone like Jesus. I am not worthy to be in your presence. Go away from me and find someone who is more worthy. Jesus comes to Peter in the midst of his failure and gives him the greatest success he's ever known. Would you walk away from the goose that was laying the golden eggs? But Peter was being brutally honest with himself and with Jesus. He could have said, hey, Jesus, you know, I got a great idea for a business. You just go with me. We'll make more fish and more money than you can ever dream. But Peter's humility and his honesty said, Jesus, I'm not in the same class as you. There's not a chance that God or you would want anything to do with me. And yet, Jesus says, come. He extends the invitation to Peter. And, 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 you know, when we were baptized, regardless of what we might have lived through and we might, might have done, those times when we think, I just don't, I'm not cut out for church. I'm not cut out for God. I, I don't have the pedigree. I don't have the chops. I don't have the lifestyle. Eh, that's not for me. But if we launch out in faith and make that decision and we make the decision to be baptized. We're going to see and hear God look down and say, you are my dearly loved son or daughter. And you bring me great joy. Jesus wanted to lead Peter to a better life, a better calling, a better vocation. And he tells him from now on, you will be fishing for people. The word is actually catching people alive. It's not the word for just fishing. It's catching people alive. Get this. Peter had been used to catching live fish and then allowing them to die so that he could eat them or sell them. Now Jesus is going to use him to catch dead, spiritually dead men and women so that they could be made alive by the power of Christ. Remember the word that Luke used to describe how many fish Peter caught? Multitudes? In the book of Acts, Jesus, Luke tells us after Jesus' resurrection, Peter preached and baptized to multitudes. Multitudes of fish and now multitudes of people. The last thing this text tells us is that when they got back on shore, they left everything, including this massive catch of fish, and they followed Jesus. What did they leave behind? Everything. Home, family, occupation, security. Jesus is going to have an, uh, a conversation with a rich young ruler a little bit later, and, and Peter's going to jump in and say, hey, but you know, we left everything to follow you. And Jesus affirms and says everyone who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life and the life to come. 
There's no doubt that Luke was giving us this as an example for us to follow, but does that mean we have to literally leave everything? Yes and no. I think Jesus is calling us to reconsider everything that might be in our minds the most important thing in our life. For me to live is what? Job, family, house, retirement. That's what Jesus wants us to think about. Is there anything to which we have a greater allegiance than to Jesus or God? If so, that's what we have to push into the background. I think we get a better sense of what Jesus is referring to when he says that we're to pick up our cross daily and follow him. This isn't a discarding and a disregarding of the people and situations that are close to us. Those are ongoing and Jesus expects us to follow through with those. We, we see as in the book of Acts and how Paul followed through with the uh, uh, in the letters to the churches that there's very little talk of of abandoning your family or leaving your job or leaving your home. I, I think Jesus is using this as a way to impact us to get our attention, just like the miracle of the fishes got Peter's attention. It's his way of getting our attention to say, there are more important things in life. And everything that we might consider important needs to get pushed to the background. And the foreground should focus on God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. This is not a license to walk away from the needs of others. It's not a license to act irresponsibly, but rather more responsibly. We don't seek to lead our friends and family. We seek to lead our friends and family to what is truly important. We don't disregard them, but now we regard them through the eyes of Jesus. And so that means that as Jesus calls us, we actually look at them in a different way. And we look to how we can love them and care for them and provide for their needs as we look to our Lord and we think about our church family. Jesus calls us. He's calling you today. But remember, you'll probably see him tomorrow. Be on the lookout for him. And when he calls, make sure you answer. Before I invite Jeff to come and uh, pray for the needs we have, I want to read a letter that the elders have written, um, and so uh, I'll, I'll share that with you now. On behalf of the elders, I want to thank all those who participate in our worship services each week. We have people in front of the cameras and recording on their cell phones, as well as people behind those devices. Uh, we also have people greeting and encouraging one another through comments made during our live transmission. Thank you all for helping to make our time be meaningful and encouraging. Like most, if not all, of our church family, we truly miss being able to worship together in person as a family. Few of us thought that it would be this long before we would be able to resume our in-person services. It is not for lack of desire or not for lack of trying, but if anything, it was out of a steadfast desire to keep everyone safe. Our first duty has to be to protect the flock. 
We would like to take this opportunity to clarify our thought processes and explain about the obstacles that we have faced in our planning to resume services here at the building. We have done our best to keep everyone informed of our thinking, and we want to do even better moving forward. Our first target to date to resume in-person services was Blessed to be a Blessing Sunday, November 22nd of last year. We felt it would truly be a blessed Sunday to be back together again. After some discussion, it was decided that there might not be enough time to discuss it with the ministry leaders, communicate with the church family in order to make the schedule adjustments necessary to gather on November 22nd. Therefore, we decided to delay it until after Thanksgiving. Then the surge hit. Health and governmental officials were imploring people to restrict travel and large gatherings. Next, the positivity rates increased significantly. After that came the Christmas holidays with more travel, more gatherings, so the numbers remained high. Miami-Dade County's positivity rate was in excess of 10%. Hospitalizations were near capacity for most of the month of November. At the beginning of the year, we got the tragic news that two of, our eld- uh, two of the elders of the Goulds Church of Christ in Perrine, Brother Gooding, as well as his wife and Brother Wooten, were in the hospital with COVID. Unfortunately, Brother Wooten passed away, as did Brother Gooding's wife. Brother Gooding is currently in rehab after approximately six weeks in the hospital. Gould's Church of Christ has suspended their in-person services for now. We know that all of you in the Sunset family, along with the elders and ministers, passionately miss meeting together and spending time together. During our Christmas celebration at our outdoor chapel, approximately 80 people attended, far more than was expected. This reminds us of how much we crave being together. A couple weeks ago, the idea of having an in-person service at the outdoor chapel was discussed. This would be in addition to our online services. Our ministerial staff will be working on the logistics of this service in the upcoming week. Hopefully, we will have more information on this coming soon. Thank you for all your prayers, phone calls, texts, cards, and letters while we are making our way through this pandemic. Please continue to reach out and pray for each other and for our church as we go forward. God bless you.